Yeah, there's this myth that you have to do real estate full time. You do not. You do not. You do not. I probably now that I don't manage, uh, probably spend less than two hours a week on real estate, and that's if I'm out looking at properties. It's very easy. You just have to put in some work on the front end. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back to another show of the General Art of Crushing It. My name is Nathan with Undoor Properties and I am your Monday host. I am one of six hosts who bring you conversations three times a week on a variety of topics around real estate, business, and personal motivation. And our goal with this podcast is to help you succeed in whatever target you are aiming at. We're all committed to finding the best and brightest people who aren't just talking about doing big things, but are actually taking the steps to achieve their dreams and wanting to help others along the way. And today I'm super excited and honored to have with us Jaron. Jaron is also known as the Finance Cowboy. What I love about this conversation with Jaron is that he holds the somewhat contrarian view, contrarian perspective uh, in the sense that he still has a full-time W-2 job and invests in real estate. He's a husband, a father, he's been featured on Market Watch, he's got a YouTube channel, um, a podcast of his own, and he's just such a fantastic follow all over the place online. So we hope you'll enjoy today's conversation. And with that, let's get on to the show. All right, JD, welcome. How you doing? JD, Jaron, also known as the Finance Cowboy. I'm going to have to pick one and stick with it. How you doing, JD? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Super excited to have you on. So why don't we just kick this off with you telling the audience who is the Finance Cowboy? What's your background? What do you do in life and real estate? Yep. So I'm pretty much just a redneck from the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. Um, born and raised here in a little town called Anderson, South Carolina. My dad was a pastor. I always make that you know clear because just to let people know I didn't come for money. So pastors don't make a lot of money. We didn't we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Nobody was talking about real estate investing. And um, so you know, let that be your sign that anybody can do it. But um, you know, grew up in South Carolina. Sports were my big thing. Went to college, played baseball. Came out of college and had to get into the working world and decided to um, go work at a place called Centos. Problem was, I was making $45,000 a year driving a box truck, having to be at the plant at like 4.30 in the morning, getting home at 6. But I had over $60,000 in student loan debt. So I had to work. Um, but I realized, man, I don't necessarily want to be waking up at four o'clock every morning to drive a box truck around. No kidding. <laughs> do you know a lot of people who do? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I don't know, though. There's a lot of guys who've been there for years. I think they just get comfortable. And I'm like, man, I don't I don't know. You know, more power to you. I was sick of it after like six months. So, you know, I had the degree and I was like, what What do I want to do? I knew I really enjoyed talking to people like out on my route. I was like, man, this is this is what I like doing. So I transitioned into sales. Um, and you know, was able to grow my income over the next 10 years, call it, but I spent five of those years starting in 2013, paying off debt that I had accumulated through student loans, buying a truck, a, we a wedding ring, credit cards. And so really from 2013 to 2018, that's what we focused on is just paying off debt. We didn't really have any assets to our name. Maybe there was a few bucks in a 401k. That was about it. 
And uh, we finally got that bad consumer debt taken care of in 2018. And I knew like, I would worked so hard to get out of debt, I didn't want to get back into it. And so I needed to put my money somewhere. I was smart enough to know, hey, we got to invest this somewhere. And my best friend had been buying real estate since 2013. He didn't come out of college with debt. He didn't have any debt. And so he had been buying. And by the time we were 27, he was a multimillionaire from just boring single family homes. And so in 2018, I moved back to South Carolina about 20 minutes down the road from him. And he's like, it's time, bro. It's time for you to get in. He helped me get that first deal. There's details all in that. But that was like, that was it. That was the, I got bit by the bug and the rest is history. Before we jump into the show, we wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by EveryREITool.com. Every REI Tool is the most comprehensive online catalog of resources for real estate investors and professionals. Whether you are looking for the best deal analyzer, the most loved syndication platform, fix and flip rehab calculators, dialers, lead generation solutions, rent collectors, or the next real estate book to read, every REI Tool has it all. Quickly and easily find the best software, apps, services, books, podcasts, and courses to help accelerate and grow your real estate business by heading over to everyreitool.com. And don't forget to sign up to get exclusive product reviews, promos, and discount codes. everyreitool.com. Now, on to the show. And so the real estate, you know, because you mentioned, you know, you got out of your bad debt and were smart enough and knew that you wanted to invest, right, and not get back into bad debt. Um, there are obviously many vehicles to invest, right? And why did you pick real estate, I guess? Was it just this buddy of yours or was there something? Because you also mentioned, I think, in your family and your upbringing, there was never any talk of real estate or real estate investing. So how did you pick this one? Yeah, my buddy was a big influence. And then I'm just a pretty simple guy. So I looked and I said, okay, what is something that has made people really wealthy for a long time? And essentially, if you buy property and hold it, you're going to get rich. That's what I tell our students. Like, you really have no other choice but to get wealth. So I just looked at data based on people for centuries. And folks who bought real estate got wealthy. I think there's this misconception that only the wealthy buy real estate. Uh, The wealthy buy real estate, but it's also a tool that takes people from middle class to wealth. And when I really looked and I was like, okay, there's six main pillars here that I'm going to unlock and have access to with leverage, forced appreciation, appreciation, tenant buy down, cash flow and tax benefits. And all those are going to go to work for me. I can put a little bit of money or none of my own money down and control this large asset while it goes up in value. Somebody else pays it off and I get all these tax benefits in the meanwhile. Um, It was a no brainer. And so just to help kind of paint the picture here for the audience a bit. So you said in 2018, I guess, is when you started and maybe bought the first property after your after talking to your buddy or maybe after having your buddy kind of, you know, hammer this into your head over and over again. Um, But what did it look like after that? Did you just buy one and you're done or you said, okay, one works out. Let me save for the next one. Or, um, you know, how can you kind of help clarify how that, you know, part of your journey was? Yep. So he helped me through that entire first deal. He brought, he, he did real estate full time. I never have. I've always worked a job and have my family and all, but he brought me the first deal, helped me analyze the first deal, helped me close on it, helped me fund it, helped me manage it, everything. Like walked me through the process. And uh, cause I wanted to back out. I was really scared. Just like every yeah. investor is, it's like you have those fears. Um, but he was able to kind of give me a kick in the rear, cross the finish line there. I buy that house for six or yeah, buy the house in Greenville, South Carolina in 2018 for 68 grand. 
I have to put some money in for rehab. We get it rented out. I'm like, man, this is awesome. So I find a house in my hometown on my own. Well, with my realtor, but not with my buddy this time. But 20% down, had to put some money into that on rehab. And we had done two properties and I'm really feeling good about myself, but I'm pretty much out of money. Like (laughs) I spent a lot of money. By the time you put, you know, we're talking, what is that? 15,000, call it down on each and then rehab. We're close to $50,000 gone. And that's a lot of money. And so I was like, okay, I have to figure something out if I'm going to keep buying. And I had this bug. Like I, I was like, I got to keep buying because I see what this is going to do for me. And so that's when we started getting a little more creative, my wife and I, on how we would buy deals. And so um, we, we did a lot of buying deals using other people's money through the Burr method and through flips. Uh, we did seller financing deals, and I also did some partnerships with friends of mine where I didn't have to come to the table with as much money, and we were able to scale. And by the spring of 2021, we had 22 properties. Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. And for those who don't know, because you mentioned a, a bunch of terms there for those who are <laughs> in the real estate industry, they probably know what you mean, but how about those who don't, right? Like, uh, first of all, like, how can you possibly use other people's money to buy real estate? I don't get that. I run yep. out of money, I'm done, right? I can't continue to grow and scale. One of the classic ways um, that people do it, and it's the way that I've bought, it's the way that everybody I teach buys a lot of their properties is what they call the Burr method. And that's where you buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. So essentially the premise is you're going to go buy a distressed, undervalued property with somebody else's money. So a private lender which is somebody in your network, like your friends, family, coworker, another investor, where you're going to use hard money, which is pretty much like private money, but it's a business. They, they do hard money for a, a living. Or you could use your own money or a, or a home equity line of credit. The point is, this money is a bridge loan. It's a very short-term loan. Uh, you normally have it out for a year, but the whole point is to pay it back as quick as you can because you're paying higher interest because it gets you to the closing table, you're paying interest only, but you want to eventually refinance it into a long-term stable loan. So you take the bridge loan, whether private, hard, your own money, lines of credit, buy the property that's distressed, fix it up, get it rehabbed, rent it out to a tenant. Then you're going to go to a bank and you're going to do what's called a cash out refinance. And so the bank is going to order a new appraisal on that property. Okay, so you just bought an ugly property, you made it pretty, you're saying, hey, now it's worth more. And there's a lot of details in this, obviously, that we're not covering, but they're going to go and order a new appraisal, and the bank's going to write you a check, an actual check for, call it 80% of the new appraised value. That property should appraised at such a value that 80% allows you to take that check and pay off your private lender, or your hard money lender, or yourself, or your line of credit. So all the money you use to get in the deal is paid off. Now you have a long-term stable note on that property for 20, 30 years, and you've recouped your firepower, that money that allows you to buy properties, and you just go and do that again and again and again. And that's that's a traditional way of buying real estate without other people's money. There's a lot of different other ones, but that's the one we used a lot of. And I'm curious because, um, I mean, I find that fascinating and interesting, right? Because you were of the mindset that once you bought those first two properties and ran out of cash, right? I feel like a lot of people that I talk to might just call it a day. Like I was mentioning earlier, saying, well, I'm out of money. I'm done, right? I'm just going to have to save for the next however number of years or months or whatever it is in your case before I can buy the next one. But that was not your case, right? What 
what mindset were you in or what mindset were you and your wife in? I don't know if it, you know, you're both kind of involved, I'm assuming. Um, were you in to kind of say, no, that's not good enough. Waiting is not good enough. I'm going to find creative solutions to continue and buy more. I think we started with the mindset that one or two a year would be good. And then I was just looking around. That's why it's so important who you're around. I was looking at my friend you know, and he had just kept buying. He was scaling creatively. And so by the time he was 27, he had enough properties to where his net worth was over $2 million. And it just came from buying. And so I was like, okay, I can do one or two a year, and that's great. Or we can do, I think we ended up doing 19 total units that next year. And like, why not? Like, if if you have the same outcome, which is a property, which gives you those six pillars I just talked about, which ultimately leads to freedom. If we know that more of those leads to freedom faster, why not expedite the process? So it was it was pretty pretty easy decision for us. And when you started doing like these creative um, approaches, like the Burr method in this case, right? Did you? Um, I'm assuming you hadn't done any before. Obviously, since this was you know property number three, I guess that we're talking about here. But um, how do you know how to do this? How do you know it was a thing? Was this your your friend, and did he hold your hand through this whole process? Did you self educate? How did that go uh, for you? It was a mix of both. I would be lying if I told you exactly how I remember figuring it out. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts. I would read a lot of books. And then I was on the phone with him a lot. So you got to think this is my best bud. So from 13 to 18, we're both newly married. He got married later than I did. We didn't have kids. I'm living in Florida. He's in South Carolina still. So we're talking all the time just as friends. And so I'm hearing this lingo for five years that I don't even realize that I'm picking up. And so I don't even know if he called it the Burr strategy. I mean, that's just a brand that a lot of people hear on social media. I mean, there's been guys who've been doing the Burr strategy for a hundred years, you know. And so I just would he would tell me how they would like, yeah, we we'll just refinance and recoup our money. And and you know, in a perfect world, you can you can do the Burr strategy, which I just talked about, and pull your money out, you know, in a three month process. But there's times where it's not a traditional burr and you'll put your 20% into the deal, but a year later you can pull your money on. So I just got the concept of recouping your money because that just increases your cash on cash return over time and then allows you to deploy it into more assets. And so I just knew I was like, okay, if I can keep getting this money back, then I can keep buying. <laughs> yeah. Was, why not? Right. That was good enough for me. And, and a lot of people, you know, when they kind of start, investing or when they start looking at real estate or any other investment vehicle as part of, um, you know, a solution or the solution for getting them to, you know, freedom, they start with, um, you know, setting goals. Like I have a goal of, you know, X number of dollars or X number of properties or, uh, you know, so many hours of free time, you know, kind of before they get started. Was that your case or was it more like you were saying, I have a method that works I know if I get more of these, it'll go faster. So I'm just going to do that. Yeah, I wanted 25 by 30 and I wanted to be a millionaire by 30. Those were kind of my, and to the number 25, I don't know why. I just, yeah, know, it was I just set a number. goal. And so I was yeah. like, let me try. I got a 22. I got pretty close. Um, so, and part of it is I bought an Airbnb and that took a lot of capital. So I didn't buy yeah. it many but it worked out but anyways uh we got a 22 and then we became millionaires at 29 and um became multi-millionaires right before we turned 31 it's crazy what compound does 
Yeah. So that, those were kind of my goals when I said it's, it's I think it's good for people to to choose something and go after it. and everybody can have different goals. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, be fancy with it. For me, for me, it's yeah, free. Yeah, totally. It's, it's just freedom. And that's that's what I've stri- strived for. And uh, I'll continue building the portfolio until I, I feel we're in a place where real estate can cover every aspect of my life. Yeah, I mean, I love that answer, right? In the sense that oftentimes I feel like a lot of the the big names or the big presences on, you know, social media, you know, online blogs, forums, all of that, they all, uh, they, they can more easily come across as everything is measured, structured. I know exactly what I'm going to get when, by when, and all of that. But it can also, um, which might, you know, I think might, you know, hold some people back, maybe scare them from getting started because it's a lot, it's overwhelming. But then there are other stories like yours, which is one of the reasons why I was very excited to get you on the podcast, right? Where it can be more, let's just add one after another and we'll get there. And I kind of have a goal that, as you mentioned, you sort of pulled out of thin air and I'll continue to do that, right? And even more so, you're doing that while still holding a full-time job, right? You have a W-2. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so it is possible to be a husband, a father, hold a W-2 job, and invest in real estate. And I don't know if you self-manage. It sounds like you do. So how do you do it all? So we don't self-manage anymore. There was a time where I self-managed. Um, I have offloaded all that, so I don't even deal with the management whatsoever. But, I, yeah, there's this um, myth that you have to do real estate full-time. You do not. You do not. You do not. I probably now that I don't manage, uh, probably spend less than two hours a week on real estate. And that's if I'm out looking at properties. So um, it's very easy. You just I think at the beginning and I actually had an episode on my podcast about this that I shot not long ago. You have to put in some work on the front end there in anything in life you do. There's going to be a period where you have to build some foundation. And so when you're starting you have to be able to choose your market. You got to choose your neighborhoods in your market. You got to build out your team. You got to choose how you're going to generate leads. And then once we've got that nailed down and we've, you know, infiltrated the community and we know our property manager and our realtor and our contractors, at that point, it's just analyzing leads. And that's where I'm at. So I spent a little bit of time on the front end. I never neglected my family. I never had to quit my job. I'm talking about just like take other investors to lunch, go to, couple real estate meetups per month, join the local real estate groups, you know, like walk to the property management company, shake their hand, get to know them. You know, it's like interview a couple contractors. And so um, why that takes a little bit on the, on the front end, it's not like life altering time. You can still do everything else. And then you build those relationships and uh, it just gets easier with time. And so, you know, I'm not out cold calling, wholesaling. I think that, you know, people hear the word wholesaling and, you know, things like that. And it's like, that's not, that's a full-time job. Wholesaling is not real estate investing. That's just a job. Like I'm not doing all that stuff. I'm not on the phones. I'm not doing mailers nonstop. So um, just, you know, setting up my system to be able to continue doing the things I love while also adding this asset to the portfolio. Yeah, I love it. And and in all these things that you've achieved thus far, right, what's your favorite like success story that you like to share with others? Is it getting out of debt like you talked about? Is it just getting started in real estate? Maybe your family? I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I mean, my family is by far the most successful thing I've ever done. Uh, obviously, we got um, four kids, six, four, two, a newborn, three boys and a girl. So that is uh, that's Busy the joy household. of my life. 
Yes, nonstop. I mean, getting I only out got of two, and I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. One. It don't matter if you have one. It's they're they're crazy in a great way. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll get off of this tonight and go to a football practice and everything. I mean, it's just nonstop. But that's that's why you know real estate's afforded me to do all this and and be there. But uh, they're obviously the greatest joy in my life. Greatest successes. Paying off debt was uh, not fun. Um, it was not a glamorous time. Me and my wife had a you know, great relationship during the entire mm-hmm. time, but it's like, you're not, you don't feel as though you're moving forward. It kind of feels like you're trudging through quicksand for all those years that you're doing it. Yeah. But it was one of those things that I, we knew we had to do to set us up for long-term success. And so I feel very good about being my discipline in that stage of my life. Um, and then taking the plunge into real estate, you know, I look, you're probably like I am. I think a lot of people are, I don't do a good job at stopping and celebrating what's been done or looking at the magnitude of anything I've done, I really look at everything like, oh, okay. And it's a problem. Like I just like, okay, and I just keep moving. But as I talk to students of mine, I I realize and talk to a bunch of people just in life, you realize that the majority of people never get to the mindset of I'm I can own real estate, much less actually owning real estate. And so I'm proud of myself, my wife and I, that we just went and did the dang thing. Most people don't, but we went and did it. And, you know, we look back and I've had so many successes. I've, you know, bought properties and a year later sold them for double what I bought them for. I've had properties cash flow me 15, you know, 100 bucks a month. I've just, I've, I've had properties that I spent too much on. They broke even and I had way too much money invested in them. Like all the, all the good and the bad. But it's on the long run, it's all led to to a beautiful outcome. A hundred percent. And how about like the the flip side of that question? If you don't mind sharing, do you have like an incredibly difficult time in your life that uh, you're okay talking about and kind of helping the audience with you know what you learned from that and what maybe your mindset was to kind of get you out of that um, situation? Yep. So I've been blessed to not have like knock on wood, you know, just these devastating times that have affected people around me, um, you know, that I can think of if any of my family's listening to this and I'm forgetting something, forgive me, but I don't, I, not that I remember, but one of the, the most difficult times selfishly for me was, um, uh, probably 2015, 2016, I started having really, really bad anxiety, really bad panic attacks to where I could hardly function could hardly like leave my house. And I kind of relapsed a little bit in 2018. Um, but 2015, 2016 was the bad part. And, um, I think it came from a couple of things. I think it came from, I just graduated college in 2013 was in a locker room my whole life. Always had my, my guys were just playing no responsibility. And then I come out and I get a job and then I move 10 months later and then I buy my first house. And then I have my, or get married then I get, have my first kid. Then we move again. Like, so it's just like, bam, 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 bam. It's like, I grew up just playing this sport. And now it's like, I got all this responsibility and all these big changes. And then I was pushing myself because I'm very driven. So I'm pushing myself in work, like trying to get out of this debt, planning for the future. And um, what it taught me was you have to, you have to find a pace in life. Um, there's definitely some good that came from it in a sense that I was able to stretch my capabilities. Like I'm, I'm, I really stretched what I'm able to do and how far I can push myself. Uh, but you have to understand that I have a good perspective on life now that look, all this is um, going away someday. At some point, you, 
me and everybody listening to this is going six feet under the ground. Dead. Gone. Not coming back. Smell you. See you. And everything you build here, it, statistically, you're, by your first generation, it'll be lost. By your second generation, you got a 90% chance that it's all gone. So everything you build here, you know, I'm all about legacy and there's things we can do to help legacy. But statistically, for the majority of everybody listening to this, everything you build, the people that come after you won't appreciate it. And so you better learn what really matters in life and stop spending all your energy, your worry, your adrenaline, your thoughts on just material things and building success nonstop and figure out a pace to life that allows you to enjoy it as well as be successful and work hard and be driven. Uh, Cause if not, you're going to uh, miss out on many things in life and you're going to hurt your health and uh, you know, may run into a brick wall like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad to hear that that seems to be resolved for you and that you're in a much better place. And I'm, I'm curious cause we're both parents here and we were talking about that a little bit before hitting record here. Um, I've heard that same statistic, right? Or I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but around like how, you know, future generations will typically not appreciate and will more likely than not destroy whatever the, the current generation is building. You as a, as a father, what do you do to try to help ensure that does not happen? Right. Maybe your kids are too young. I know mine are five and three, so I can't do much yet, but you know, I'm hoping that I will be able to kind of instill value and work ethic at one point. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, mine are young, like your six, four, two, a newborn. So they're, they're at the stage where it's not like we're not having long philosophical, you know, talks about it. My six year old, he's starting to get a little bit of a grasp. Like, you know, I ask like, daddy, are we, do we have a lot of money? Are, we, are you rich daddy? You know, he'll ask me some stuff like that, but I, I involved them in real estate. So they go and look at properties a lot. I talk to them about how we don't keep cash, you know, to a degree emergency fund. I said, you always just invested into real estate. You just take your money and you buy real estate. This sounds silly, but we have the monopoly board on our table right now. And we teach them, Hey, the whole point is you just try to add as many of these houses as you possibly can. We, we have conversations about money. We don't shy away. Um, you know, when I was growing up, it's like you didn't talk about money. Well, the, where we live in a small town and we just moved out on 11 acres with a big house that sits on a hill and half the town has a drive by it. My dad's pastor of a big church. I grew up here, no hiding anymore for years. We were able to hide it and, and we can't do it anymore. And so it's like, we can either just play it down or you just embrace. And when your kids ask, you just tell them, Hey, Look, I worked hard and I made decisions that a lot of other people decided not to make. And so there, you know, you take your money and you invest it and you do smart things with it and you, you know, put it into assets that will grow over time. You will have money and it will allow you a life that a lot of people where we live don't get to enjoy because we live in a very blue collar town. And so, you know, that's part of my battle is like explaining like, hey, the mumblings you'll hear when you're growing up. Um, but also like we, we lay down ground rules and these will expand as they get older. They're not entitled to anything that my wife and I create. I am going to raise them in a godly, great home to where they're going to live a fantastic life. They will not be spoiled. They will have to work. If they're not working, they better be playing and chasing after a sport. That's just the two options. But once they leave my house and they're 18, there is no guarantee of an inheritance. This is my sandbox that I've built with my wife and you're going to play by our rules and we'll have certain rules that 
you know, if you don't behave in this certain manner and you're wild and you're on drugs and you're doing this and doing that, you're not going to get anything. And so I think just being very blunt on what we expect and, and, um, you know, that it's, that it's ours to have a decision with. I love it. I'm, my wife and I are very, very similar and they're going to have, our kids are going to have to work and earn it if they get anything, right? It's yeah. not going to just be a freebie, you know, and, and hand me down. So in any sure. case, if I shift the conversation a bit here, um, yeah. and if you could go back in time to when you were younger, whatever age that is for you, 16, 18, um, whatever it is, what would you do differently to kind of maybe fast track or get to, to where you want to go faster? Man, I don't think I would change a thing. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. I mean, my one regret, if it's even a regret, is I wish I would have worked harder when I was in college so I could have played ball even longer. I mean, I got to go to college, play baseball. I came out with debt. I would go to college and come out with debt again. I just I would because I had so much fun. I went to the place I needed to go to work outside of college at CentOS right away. It taught me everything I needed to know about business. It taught me how the business world worked, made me disciplined at a young age on top of what I learned from athletics. And then I was able to hop straight into medical sales after that, scale my income, took care of the debt and started investing as soon as I could. So, I mean, the only regret I have is not playing ball longer because I wasn't good enough. And then, you know, not buying more properties on the ones I passed on. That, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. But I love it because being able to just even say it that way that you wouldn't change a thing is is a blessing, right? That means you're pretty happy as a as a person and that you've had the life that you want to have, right? Or want it to have, right? So that's that's awesome. Um you you're obviously a, a giver, a teacher, right? You have a whole bunch of online content and courses and all of the the stuff that you produce all over, you know, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram and whatnot is super helpful and educational. One of my favorite follows. Um, so I'm saying that or to set the stage, I guess, that you must encounter people uh, from time to time, maybe all the time that are just like this this glass half empty, you know, mindset, you know, I wasn't dealt the right, you know, hand of cards, my, my parents don't have the money, I can't do this, I can't do that. What what's your secret? What do you tell them to kind of get them to take action and take that first or next step? At this point, this sounds bad, but I've gotten to the point where I usually ignore those folks now. <laughs> because it just ends up looking like I'm arguing with them if I respond back. Um, but I mean, I'm pretty blunt in, in a try to be in a loving way and just let them know, hey, as long as you have that mindset, you will not accomplish anything. So if you want to stay thinking that, then don't expect to, to get anything done because it has to start with belief. I'm not into this whole manifesting thing. It's just me personally. Sorry to any listeners who are. But you have to like have belief in yourself that you can do more than you feel as though you're capable of right now. And so if you just, if you count yourself out before you ever get started, good luck. Yeah. And how about you, for you personally and you and your wife, what's your secret sauce, your key to success, right? Because you, you've shared with us your background. You didn't come from money. You didn't come from, you know, you know, having all the people just give you all this stuff for you to be successful, right? What's your secret sauce? Is it tenacity? Is it just, you know, work ethic? Is it just belief? Because you've obviously plowed through a lot, for lack of a better term, and you're in a fantastic place now. I think from a marriage perspective, we had aligned goals and we both know our roles. And so, um, you know, knowing what each of us wants in life and then taking each respective place to get it done has been 
huge. Um, I think you, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so uh, I am uncomfortable when I'm comfortable. I, I feel as though I'm getting beat and I'm losing and I'm going backwards. And so it's a blessing and it's a curse as part of what put me in the dumps in 2015, 2016. I've learned how to manage it now and, you know, live a good life, even with that drive. Uh, but it's always there kind of in the back of my mind, like, hey, you're in a pretty comfortable spot now. What can you go conjure up to create chaos? <laughs> and as soon as I get comfortable, I mean, if the job that I have, the W-2, there, there's no reason for me to do any of this other stuff. I mean, really, there, there's not. Between my portfolio and what I do, I should wake up, do my job, have all the time in the world to do whatever else I want and, and play golf every day. But I don't, and I think that's kind of what's, what's set me apart. I love it. Well, uh, with that, i got a last few couple of questions for you here. I want to be mindful of your time and get you out of here, Jaron. Um, do you have um, a book recommendation for the audience, something that you've that's helped you? Man, there is a whole plethora of them, but I really liked uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. That was, a, that was a good one for me. I read it when I was younger. I couldn't tell you everything that uh, it's about, but I know it's about building wealth, and it breaks it down in a very simplistic story, and it really opened my eyes to some stuff. Yeah, it's a classic, a great read. How about a piece of uh, software or a tool or an app that you use on a regular basis that just helps you, you know, achieve success, I guess, or maybe manage all of the projects that you have? Yep, I I really like there's there's two and they both kind of do some of the similar stuff. But if I'm going more in depth, like this is real estate uh, yep. related. So I like PropStream because it yep. allows me to pull data uh, from potential sellers and I, you get a lot of great information from there that you can then go and attack potential properties. And then another one is land glide is a great app on my phone where I, if I'm driving down the road and I see a vacant property, I can just pull up land glide and it'll tell me who owns that property. So then when I get back, I can mark it, go back, pull up their phone number. And if I want to call them and see if they want to sell their vacant property, then it's easy for me to mark who the yeah. owner is. So I use PropStream every single day. Same as what you were describing. It just gives you so much information on the current owners and the history of the property. So it just gives you more ammunition to go into the negotiations and conversations. So I use that a lot. I use Batch Leads for a little while, but PropStream actually for me does better. I think it's a yeah. better tool, better product. Um, all right. Last couple of questions here, JD, then I'll let you go. Um, you obviously you're all over social media, the internet, you got a ton of content, ton of great resources. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me all over. So whatever your favorite social media app is, uh, Instagram at finance, cowboy, Twitter at finance, cowboy, YouTube, finance, cowboy, TikTok. I think it's the finance cowboy. Um, so any of those places would love for you to, to join in. I got some free guides. If you ever like, you know, need help with a checklist, uh, for what you need to look for, for a rental property, you need a calculator to run your numbers. Um, you guys can always text me eight, six, four, six, six, Oh, seven, one, four, eight. And I'll hook you up with any of that stuff. But, um, yeah, those are, those are the main spots. Awesome. You also host a podcast, right? Finance Cowboy show. Yep, that's it. The Finance Cowboys Show, Real Estate Investing Made Easy. So awesome. would love, love for it. you guys to check it out. 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of what Darren does is, you know, regular daily go-tos for me personally, whether it's Instagram, some of your training, the podcast as well. So I really, you know, love all the content and would recommend everyone go and check it out. Um, last question for you, JD, how can our audience help you? And just supporting the brand. That would be, that would be amazing. You support the brand. I'll give you the value. So, um, I'll make that promise to you. Just follow me on, on the socials, engage, leave comments, likes, message me. And uh, I'll, I'll provide you with all the information I, I can possibly conjure up. Well, fantastic. And with that, JD, I'm going to let you go. And thank you so much for all your time today. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime soon. Awesome, Nathan. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, what a conversation there with JD. I love how um, he uh, is able to, you know, be a you know loving husband and father keep a full-time W-2 job that he likes and invest in real estate um, you know, with all of the you know, hard work and dedication. It clearly is something that anybody can do. Uh, great conversation. And as always, we keep um, all of the things that were discussed in our show notes. If you want to get in touch with us or um, JD, just go, to the, go over to the show notes and find all of the links there. And as always, um, if you found any value in this content, we would love for you to spread the word. So if you could, you know, on whatever platform you're using, if you could just go and leave a five-star review, spread the love, share the content with um, people around you, we would really, really appreciate it. It does help. And for those who uh, want to get their hands held and are interested in um, starting in uh, real estate investing, they can always go get a copy of our free Ready for Real Estate checklist. So you can just head over to readyforrealestatechecklist.com. And with that, we'll see you on the next one. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.